Come on, let's give Jesus some worship this morning. OMG. If today was a capital OMG day, it's a capital OMG day. I just want to say, uh, let me get this where it needs to be. I'm all crying up here. I can't see nothing, but it's okay. For you guys out there, it's like, men shouldn't cry. Well, sorry, I'm not sorry this morning. It's okay. But, uh, you know, sometimes the Spirit of God just gets all over you, and you just got to just go where it's going to go, you know? Uh, oh, man, I'm telling you, I don't even know if I can preach this message or not. God is good this morning. So good. Welcome each and every one of you. If it's your first time here, uh, I'm usually not a blubbering mess every Sunday, but uh, but that's okay. Today's a good, good day. Thank you for thank you for those that are going to be watching later here. We just welcome you today, and 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 I just want to say thank you to our worship and production team. You know, we we've, we've had. Come on, we can do better than that. We have had some curveballs thrown at us. We've had some things kind of dip and dive over the last uh, few weeks. But I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes there is something good about going back to that first altar. Something about good about going back and remembering how good God used to be. Because he, he didn't used to be good. He is good. But man, I'm telling you what. Sometimes them old hymns, I just, man, I just want to grab a mic and say, come on, Jesus, let's go. But it looks a little different. We thank you, worship team. We thank you, production team. You guys have been on the fly and, and doing things on the last minute. So we want to thank you. So uh, come on, one more time. Y'all don't, you all do not know the time and the effort that these people have, are put in every single Sunday. So come on, let's get up on our feet. All you see is the lights, and all you see is the words, and all you hear is the music, but you don't know the time that they put in. So thank you all so much. We appreciate you. Woo, come on. This is the last in the series of Say What? Anybody happy about that? Anybody sad about that? All right. Anybody enjoy, been enjoying it? Oh, that's great. So, well, over the last few weeks, we've, we've talked about, man, I can't see up here. I've been crying so much. My eyes are going... Okay, we've talked about how important the Word of God is, and, and, and we all know that the Bible is the most popular book ever written. It's the number one bestseller of all time, and because of that, it's often been misquoted, and it's often been taken out of context very, very often. We've also talked about how it's not a priority in our culture, and also it's really not a priority in our Christian faith right now. And Pastor Minnie, was she on fire last week or not? Oh, come on, I got me some new boots, and I should have wore them last week because she was stomping all over the devil, and me too. But she just, she just kicked him in the teeth last week, and I'm so grateful to her. She did a really good job. But let's look at some more quotes attributed to the Bible, but really not in the Bible. The idle mind is the devil's workshop. Have you ever quoted that one to someone? That's right in the third chapter of somewhere. Of nowhere, you're right. Or there's another one, idle hands are the devil's workshop too. We've used that one, we've thrown that one around. And here's one, cleanliness is next to godliness. John Wesley actually said this, and look what I wrote. I feel like it's the only time my wife feels like I'm close to God is when we have a clean house. Can you women get an amen out there? 
She walks around when the house is clean and she says, oh, it feels so godly. And you are the godliest man I know because you wash the dishes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And here we go. A fool and his money are soon parted, right? That was in the Bible too, isn't it? But speaking of that, we got two major problems in relationships and in marriage, right? First of all, Doug did so well a couple weeks ago talking about sex that I don't even got to talk about it anymore. He did such a great job. He covered all the bases, and his wife didn't hit him too hard over the head with her hand. But the next one that people struggle with is money. The heat is not working in here right now, but I'm going to talk about money this morning. So everybody's going to start getting all hot under the collar anyway. So uh, all of a sudden, the temperature in the whole room is going to rise because I'm going to talk about money this morning. The title of my message is this, show me the money. We got that one up there? I looked for that clip. There was not a really good, clean version of that clip in Jerry McGraw. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Show me the money, Jerry. Show me the money. And I tried to find it. Even the clean one had not so good things in it. But, but it was really good. It was show me the money. But let me tell you, I found this, um, this quote, and it's good. It says, if money could talk, what would it say? It would say, I'm depressed and I'm sad because I'm tired of people abusing me, using me for the wrong purposes, fighting over me, stealing me, lying and cheating and committed crimes to get me. I get blamed, as some of you say, for many divorces. I'm tired of the fighting and the greed all the time. I'm tired of being hoarded. I'm tired of being stolen. I, if I, I'm tired of being wasted all the time. I'm tired of being people's security blankets. They act like I'm God, but I'm really not God, and I'm certainly not God. I just wish people knew how much they could do with me if they treated me right and how blessed their lives could be. Wouldn't that awesome? There's 2,500 verses, over 2,500 verses in the Bible talking about money. Nearly 15% of what Jesus said uh, was related to money and possessions. And 16 out of his 38 parables talked about things of having possessions or money. The only subject Jesus taught more about was the kingdom of God more than money. Why? Because scripture are very clear about the connection between a person's spiritual life, their attitudes, their motives concerning what they have, and their possessions. And how, listen... How if we're not careful, we can let that become an idol in our lives. Can I get an amen on that one? You, you can look again. Let's look again at the most misquoted Bible verse. 1 Timothy 6.10 says this. Money is the root of all evil. Oh, wait a minute. It doesn't say that. Hold on. For the love, say love. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't just say evil, it says all kinds. And some people craving money have wandered far from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Let me ask you a question. Is money evil? No. no. Money is neutral. It's a tool. It can be used for either good or it can be used for bad. The real answer, the real issue I'm asking you today is how do you view it? These are some of the questions I'm going to ask you. How do you view it? Does it have a hold on you? And if so, what kind of a hold does it have on you? Do you use it or do you abuse it? But mostly, what is your heart towards it? Let's just prove some bad rumors about money. Let's start with number one. God does not want me to have it. Rumor number one, and that is not true. 
Deuteronomy, I'm going to show you get some Bible today. Andrew was probably going, my gosh, he's preaching the whole Bible today. Well, you're about to get the whole Bible this morning, so we got about a couple hours. We're good. <laughs> Deuteronomy 8.18 says this, but remember, listen, say remember. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. I'm going to I'm I'm go on. That he may establish his covenant, say covenant, which he swore to your fathers by this day. There are so many rich people in the Bible. A Abraham had everything. He had flocks. He had riches. There's Solomon, the richest man who ever lived. There's David, who was, who was a multimillionaire. And there are people all throughout scriptures who help God's people do God's work. There are many rich people today who are actually fueling the kingdom of God. There are people out there right now that are keeping things going because God has blessed them. God has taken them to a different level in their finances and they're using it for the kingdom of God. There is nothing wrong with being rich. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about where you go wrong at. There are people who have learned how to let money be a servant and not the master. Money's for our enjoyment. Y'all like to have a little money? Show me the money, Jerry. Come on. Everybody likes to have a little money, don't they? But we shouldn't feel, ever feel guilty. There was a culture, it was a few years ago, you got either one of two things. You've got either a prosperity culture or you have a poverty culture. You had, a pro, had, a, had one that where it was a name it, claim it, genie in a bottle, God. And, and you had another one saying, oh, we're not supposed to have nothing on this earth. And we're supposed to, we're just a poor wayfaring stranger. And that is not... Come on, I'm about to go country up in here, y'all. That is not what God designed it for us to do. God said, I wished it all would prosper and be in health. Well, listen, God desires to, but God desires to be the first thing in your life. Money is the one thing that can easily take the place of God if we're not careful. And God does want to prosper us. But there's another rumor. God's got me. Why do I even got to work? Well, I'm going to show you here. Here we go. That's dangerous, and that's not God. Ecclesiastes 18, 10, 10, 18 says, Because of laziness and built the building decays, and through idleness of hands the house leaks. God does not want you just to say, I'm waiting on God. God is up there looking down at you and says, I'm waiting on you to get a J-O-B. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm just waiting on God to, for, the, for the lottery. Well, did you play the lottery? No. Well, I'm just waiting on God. God is up there going, no. There, there's more to this thing of life of just waiting on me to bless you. You've got to work hard. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says this. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If any, oh, listen. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. God doesn't want us to sit around waiting on him to give, us, give him everything because I'm going to tell you something. He's got everything for you, but you've got to do something to get it too. Oh, let me go on. i got some lazy people in. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Another rumor. Money brings happiness. I was watching a show one day, and they had 10 former lottery people. And they were, these people had won multiple millions of dollars. And, and there was uh, about six out of ten of them said, no, one out of ten said, oh, it was the greatest thing in the world. I loved it. Oh, I wouldn't change the thing. 
two of them said, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was good. It really changed my life. And one said, you know, uh, eh, eh. six of them out of 10 said it adversely affected their life. They divorced. They lost family members. They lost people. They were depressed. They were ha- unhappy. So let me tell you something. Money does not buy you happiness. Let me read this from John Rockefeller, the first billionaire. At the age of 23, he had become a millionaire. By the age of 50, a billionaire. Every decision, every attitude and relationship was tailored to create his personal power and wealth. But three years later, at the age of 53, he became ill. His entire body became racked with pain, and he lost all the hair on his head. In complete agony, the world's most only billionaire could could not buy anything stop here it's all written down could buy anything in the world but all he could digest was milk and crackers he couldn't sleep he wouldn't smile and nothing in life meant anything to him his personal highly skilled physicians predicted he would die within a year as he approached death he awoke one morning with a vague remembrance of a dream he could barely recall the dream but when it had when he had but it had something to do with not being able to take any of the success with him into the next world The man who could control the business world suddenly realized he was not in control of his own life. He was left with a choice. He called up his attorneys, his accountants, his managers, and announced that he would channel his assets into hospitals, into research, and into mission work. On that day, John D. Rockefeller established his foundation. This new direction eventually led to the discovery, listen, of penicillin, cures for the current strains of malaria, tuberculosis, and diphtheria. The list of discoveries resulting from this choice is enormous. But perhaps the most amazing part of Rockefeller's story is that the moment he, be- listen, the moment he began to give a portion of all that he had earned, his body chemistry totally altered. Significantly, he got better. He looked up, and at 53, and at age 53, he finally died at the age of 98 years old. He lived another 40-some years because he found out that there was more than life that could make him whole besides his finances. Oh, that was a lot to read, but that was so good. If you have the wrong heart towards God, towards money, it can cause more damage than good. Proverbs 10:22 says, "The blessing of the Lord makes one." Rich, and he adds no sour to, sor, sorrow to it. Sorry, that's my country coming out. Sorrow. If it's causing you aggravation, if it's causing you stress, if it's causing you anger, you might want to reevaluate some of the things that you're doing with your life and with your money because that's not what God says. He says he adds no sorrow to it. We got to keep our priorities straight. Now listen, now that we, I know, money's not a su- subject people don't like to talk about. I've, in five years, I've probably talked about it four times. And Pastor Lonnie was one of them. I, I said, you do it, Pastor Lonnie, I don't want to do it. <laughs> but listen, now that we've determined that money's not the root of all evil, what should our mindset be about it? Number one is this, God is our source. It's easy to forget that God is our source. Deuteronomy, I'm reading it again. But remember the Lord your God. For it is he that gives you the power and the ability to produce wealth. We think we're in control. We think we're making all of the moves and we need to do all the work and be the best. But listen, God is our source. Faith and dependence upon him is the key to get tough. It's the key to get when times get tough. I'm telling you what, when you're putting 
$100 worth of gas in your gas tank, times are getting tough. When you go to the grocery store and you got 19 items in your cart and it's $200, times are getting tough. And listen, I think we're getting to a point where God's going to say, you got to lean on me. You can't lean on your own understanding. you got to lean on what I'm going to say. Because listen, if we start leaning on what I'm spitting all over the place, if you start leaning on what you know, you're going to end up back there because God says, i got somewhere forward to take you. Can I have that water, baby? Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, you know the preaching's either good or he's dry mouth. I don't know which one. There was a time, there's times coming. And it's time to put God on the top of our priority list. And that means we got to start praying more. That means we got to start reading our word more. That means that we got to start trusting in him. But we also started, got to start giving more too. That's the one that gets, mm, that's the one that people can't quite get back. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Press down. Most people don't know the rest of the words because the first word is give. They stop it right there. Oh, well, let's Wait a minute, now, what was the rest of that? No, I, I got stuck on give. But giving is a test of where your heart is. Proverbs 9, 39 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits, say first fruits, of all your crops, that your barns may be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. God does not like leftovers. I like leftovers. Anybody like leftovers? Oh, man, put, put, it in, put a lid on it, and I'll eat it two days later, sometimes three days later, and maybe four, unless there's no blue growing on top of it or anything. That's pretty yucky, in the, yes. Um, anyway, I'm not going to go there. But um, have you ever eaten any bad leftovers? Whew. Yes, I have before, so it's not... But God doesn't like leftovers like you. He, want, he doesn't want what's left over. He says, bring your first fruits. When you sit down, he wants the very first thing of what you're thinking about. Here's a quote. When a man gives to God, he has the whole man. Control of your finances is the last thing that most people want to give up. Giving biblically is about obedience and trust. Trusting in God. That you'll give him that first off the top. Not what's left over, but the first what's left. We can't get to the bottom of the list and church and, and tithing and giving to God be the last thing. Well, if I have a little bit left over. God said, if you'll start with me on the top of the list, I'll make the rest of that stuff. Look, you'll be paid for it. No problem. <sighs> he will also increase your faith. This is another thing giving does. It increases your faith to give more. Because you know why you give and you're going, I got that bill paid. I don't know how in the world that happened. Uh, I, some money, somebody told me the other day, some money showed up in their account, almost the same amount of money that they had given, and, and, and they don't know where it came from. I know where it came from because you were obedient to what God told you to do. Number two, how should I handle money? Number two is being a good steward. I spelled that wrong in the preaching, and they sure correct me. I said steward. But steward, the, the steward had a little emoji of steward the mouse or whatever that was. Uh, I really spelled it wrong. But being a good steward, you know what a steward is? That's an old English, but the new one is manager. In Matthew 25, let me paraphrase this to you. I'm not going to read it all. Jesus identifies the quality of a good steward. In this story, he has three servants come in, three stewards, and he gives each one of them an allotment of money to manage on his behalf. 
The first two invest it, and they double his money. They give, the owner comes back, and they give him double what they were given. The owner says, well done. Wouldn't you be happy if they took your money and gave you back double? He said, well done, our good and faithful servant, because that's like us. He's investing in us, and he wants to get back something on his return. Oh, let me go on before you start throwing shoes. Uh, so we learned this about the good steward. He, they were diligent. They were hardworking, and they were willing to take reasonable risks. The owner says, well done. In contrast, the third servant had money manager. He fearfully, he dug a hole, and he went out and buried the money. And, you know, he doesn't properly take care of what the manager had given to him. When the owner comes back, he digs it up, and he gives him back only what he gave him. And the owner looks at him and says, you lazy servant. I gave you what I gave you. It wasn't yours anyway. But I did expect you to come back and not only do something with it, but I wanted you to give me an increase on my investment. That's what God wants to do. The things that he gives you in your life, he doesn't want you just to sit and hoard it. He doesn't want to sit, he wants you to sit there high on it or whatever. You should save, you should put plaque for you. But he also wants you to invest in the kingdom of God. Invest in the people around you. Come on, I feel like preaching here this morning. I know it's not a popular subject, but I'm going to tell you something. In your finances, you can be free. Maybe you've been, oh, I'm not getting ahead of myself. Come on, back here. Back up. Rewind. We have to be good stewards of what God has given us. Your bank account is going to show how good of a steward you are. From, Kimber from the financialdiet.com, Kimberly Biao tracked her spending for five years and here's what she found listen she found a, she spent way too much money on coffee starbucks heidi brothers can we go down the list there's like 17 of them now too much money on eating out and she spent too much money on gifts for people she didn't know and some she didn't even like can you imagine buying something for someone you don't even like? Does that sound familiar? But let me ask you something. I want you to say this. Ashley's all about uh, uh, crowd participation. Can you say budget? budget. Can you say budget again? budget again? If you have trouble understanding what that word means, it's probably the next sentence you're probably saying is, I don't ever have any money. <laughs> right or wrong? If you don't understand what that word means, you are the one. People who usually have a plan have usually a little money left over. But people without a plan never have any money. They're living paycheck to paycheck. They're broke all the time. And I'm going to tell you something. God's called us to be a good steward. Dave Ramsey, y'all know who Dave Ramsey is, right? Pay cash for everything. Give me some cash, Dave. <laughs> he said this. You must have a game plan. If you aim at nothing you're going to hit it all of the time. The unfaithful steward, he had no plan, and he lived in fear. Most of us don't have money problems. We have management problems. Listen, I'm not saying there ain't out someone out there that could use more money in their job and, and could, you know, maybe income levels, all income levels vary in here. But most of the time, if you get to the bottom of that budget, you're going to find out you got a lot more money than you thought you had. So if God is your source, you've got to be a better steward of what he's given you. Michael Todd said this. I'm getting a lot of quotes this morning. If your money doesn't have a purpose, there will be a problem. 
If it doesn't have a, a place to go and a purpose to live in, is you're going to have a problem with it. Budgets open the door to possibilities. Can I get an amen on financial peace right now? Come on. Amy and them, they, they paid off all of their bills in less than a year, right? Less Ten months they paid all their bills out because they set a budget and they decided, come on. They're living a whole lot more financially free. They're teaching a class about it. And if you don't know how to live free in that, sign up for Financial Peace University. There's a plug for you. Budgets open the door to possibility, but you got to give God first and pay yourself second. So many times we're trying to pay ourselves and somebody else and LG&E. Unless we've got to pay the heat bill. But I'm telling you what, if we start putting God, our priority on that list, he's going to bless you with the other 90. He's going to give you more than you ever know. But look, can I, can I be practical this morning? And this is a place that you can take notes. Y'all going to take notes? You go to heaven if you take notes. According to Ashley, you cannot get to heaven without taking notes. But listen, we're all going to heaven. Get your notes out. First of all, you got to understand the distinction between wants and needs. You got to drive your car a little longer. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Oh, that new car smells so good. Oh, that thing, it just smells heavenly, doesn't it? Until you get the first payment. And then you figure out what the insurance is on it. And all those things. But drive your car maybe just a little bit longer. Here's a good one. Take your lunch to work a couple times a week instead of eating out. Funny story. Keenan, our son, uh, when he was getting out of high school, he got, a, at that time, a decent job. But he's making about $10, $11 an hour. And he came into it one day and he said, and I helped him uh, get his bank account started. He came in and he says, Mom, I never have any money. I feel like I'm broke all the time. I said, well, why do you do that? Why do you think that? He said, I just don't ever have any money. I said, okay, since I hooked up his account, I got to be able to see his account. So, uh-oh, is right. So I said, uh, let's look at your account here, son. And I, he started looking. I said, do you know that uh, this morning you went to Circle K and you spent $10.14? No big deal. But do you know that at 12.15... You went to Penn Station, and you spent $17.43. What did you eat for $17.43 anyway? Then you got home. We had supper cooked on the table. We made all the food, and you still went out to wherever you went, and you spent $23.83. Do you realize what you just spent in one day? I said, here's what you need to do. When you come home, you need to hand us $20 or $40, and let me put it in the safe for you. He started doing that. And within just a few months, he had $1,000 saved up. I said, see, it doesn't take much to try. To, it doesn't take much to get out of trouble. Eat at home often and uh, eat home often. And don't spend, amen, right? And don't spend more than you make. You've got to save for that large purchase. Listen, I'm not saying we don't buy a house. I'm not saying we, I, I just feel like that we've got to start saving for that thing that we really, really want that's going to cost us a lot of money. And the Proverbs 22, 7 says this. It says, rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Start saving first and make your spending decisions actual spiritual decisions. Because your spending decisions are spiritual, right? The, you can see that the parable of the loss of the bad steward, he didn't spend it. He didn't do it wisely. 
Money is a tool and it can be used under God's guidance to help other people. Proverbs says this, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will also be refreshed. Be intentional about what God has done to you. And listen, if God has blessed you more, then there is more required of you. Listen to what 2 Corinthians says. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds, listen, will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much you're going to give and don't do it with reluctancy or in response to pressure. This is not a pressure type of message. This is one to get you to where you need to be with God. Oh, that didn't come out right, did it? This is a place to get you where you're free financially. It ain't because of how much you give to the church or how much uh, you give to missions. It's how much you give with your heart to God. He says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God who will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over. There's that leftovers to share with others. What is also my attitude of money? You got to be thankful, number three, and grateful. No matter what it looks like in this world, we have a lot. Listen, I'm about to give God some praise in this place. We have a lot to be thankful and grateful for. Sometimes we just got to remember how good God has been and how awesome he has been to us. James 1.17 says this. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Everyday examples of that is this. Did your heat work this morning? Did you thank God for it? Did you eat breakfast this morning? I didn't, but I thank God for everyone who ate breakfast. But we take that for, did you have shelter? Did you have food? Did you have the necessities that you, because there's so many people out there, not only in the, the city, but in this world who don't have the necessities that they have right there. But sometimes the unseen things is what we don't see. You're walking around in good health right now. Sometimes we don't see the protection of God and what he's put over top of your life. And listen, here's another one that's big right now. A lot of times the things we don't see is the freedom that we have, not only in this country, but freedom to worship just the way that we did just a few minutes ago. Second Corinthians says this, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. It doesn't matter how much or how little you have on this thing, it matters how much you are grateful for it. Hebrews 13 says this, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. That's a big word, I could preach for another 30 minutes. Because God has said, never will I leave you. you God is telling you right now, I'll, I, you can be content with everything else, but I'm never gonna leave you and I'm never gonna forsake you. What matters more is in Psalms 136, 1. It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his mercy, listen, his mercy endures forever. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you thankful this morning? That's why, that's why I, I couldn't contain it over here. I'm thankful, God, for your mercy. I'm thankful for your goodness. I'm grateful that I didn't get what I deserved. I shouldn't be standing up here today. You shouldn't be sitting out here today. Thank you, God, that you didn't get what you deserved. You deserve judgment, but listen what he did. He provided mercy. Let's all stand if we would, please.
But what God did most of all was this. He demonstrated it from the ultimate gift. It said, for God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't just pick some random thing. He didn't pick the worst thing. He didn't go to the bottom of the list. He went to the very top of the list. His prize possession. And he gave Jesus. You know who he gave Jesus for? He gave him for you and for me. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, today is the day to do it. Let's all bow our heads and let's close our eyes just for the comfort of those around us. Nothing would mean more to Jesus than you giving your life to him today. That's what he died for. That's what he paid the price for is for you. Jesus, this morning, maybe you've never made that choice. Maybe this is kind of new to you. And if that's you out there, if you would, just lift up your hands. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you that God's going to do an amazing thing this morning. And maybe you're a little uncomfortable and you don't really know what to say. I'm going to ask you and everyone else. I see a couple hands. I'm going to ask you to say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I choose you this morning. I believe you are the Son of God. I admit I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I give it to you. Maybe you're here today and you know Jesus, but maybe you've been holding it back. You've been holding on to something. I ain't talking about your money. I'm talking about you've been holding back something from God. He's like, I want you to give it all to me today. These altars, there's going to be people up here that will pray with you. These altars are going to be open. And we want you to get what he paid for. So if you need to lay something down this morning, if you need to give it to God, you just say, okay, God, I'm not walking out of here the way that I walked in. He's here to do that today. So let's give him our best.